Welcome on into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thanks for joining us on a Friday edition of the show. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, it is your team every day. And this is a podcast focused on all things BYU sports. On today's edition of the podcast, going to talk about the NCAA transfer portal. It's been a topic of discussion, and it kind of reentered the conversation earlier this week with a couple of articles nationally, one on CBS Sports, the other on The Athletic. We'll talk about this and how it relates to BYU and some of the good things that have come out of it and also some of the bad things it appears that the transfer portal may have created for college football. We'll talk about that here in this first segment. Second segment of the show, need to have a discussion about BYU baseball. I praised them the other day for their ability in my mind to make it to Omaha this year. Well, last night's performance against Santa Clara left me a little disheartened and we'll talk about BYU and it's an extension of BYU baseball probably be the microcosm for looking at some things I've noticed with BYU sports of late and it's just my perception we'll talk about that in the second segment and then of course catch up on everything else going on in BYU sports BYU softball uh, suffering a tight loss in their NCAA regional opener last night we'll run down everything else in BYU news in the final segment so there you go the layout of today's show brought to you by insert your company name here we're still looking for sponsors for this podcast as we enter the summer months and get ready for the upcoming football season thousands of unique downloads each month would love to represent your brand or your company right here on a podcast all focused on byu and get it out to thousands of byu fans both nation and worldwide email us at locked at gmail.com would love to have you guys involved in this podcast all right let's get going this is the locked on cougars podcast for may 17th 2019 All right, guys, I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, 97.5 FM, 1280 AM. You can hear me each morning with David James and Patrick Hanahan on DJ and PK in the morning. I'm their esteemed producer. Also go by Yak. Thanks again for taking the time to check out this podcast. And we're going to talk some NCAA transfer portal here for a moment. And we're about seven months into the transfer portal era. October 15th was the date that the transfer portal became official. And in that time, uh, the number of guys who have entered their name into the transfer portal at the FBS football level. So we're talking football bowl subdivision, the the level that BYU competes at. uh, 130 teams in that level. Well, according to 24-7 Sports, my sources and also The Athletic, we'll talk about these two columns or these articles done, one by Max Olson from The Athletic, the other by Dennis Dodd of CBSSports.com, upwards of 800 FBS players have entered the NCAA transfer portal. According to Max Olson, it's 450 Power 5 players alone. Um, according to what Dennis Dodd quoted, 24-7 Sports has created their own uh, transfer portal database at upwards of 720 players, both at the G5 and the P5 levels in their database. And talking to people, my sources, I've been able to get some unique insights into the NCAA transfer portal from people. And it, it looks like around 800 and surpassing that number currently in terms of guys who have entered the portal. Now, that number does include guys who have decided to ultimately withdraw their name from the NCAA transfer portal and stay at their previous schools, etc. So that number is a little bit skewed, but it's a lot of guys out there 
The interesting part about all this is Herm Edwards, uh, coach of Arizona State, of course, in the Pac-12, he's seen more than one dozen of Arizona State's football players put their name in the NCAA transfer portal this offseason. I uh, told Max Olson of The Athletic, you can go read it at theathletic.com, that he is currently sitting with his scholarship numbers in the low 70s, and it'll probably take him two years to rebuild that number. And you're probably wondering, well, why would it take him two years to rebuild that number? Well, when the NCAA instituted the early signing period two years ago in 2017. They allowed athletes to sign in December. They created a hard and fast rule of you of a program can sign no more than 25 players. They called initial counters is the technical term according to the NCAA. 25 guys can join your program, whether that's a transfer, whether that's a high school freshman, not high school freshman, a college freshman entering from high school, a guy coming from a junior college, a graduate transfer. You can sign 25 guys. Well, uh, Herm Edwards felt like he was sitting around 85 with those one dozen transfers. He says he's now currently sitting around the 70s in the 70s in terms of his scholarships. And due to guys graduating and other attrition that is to be expected with the sport of football, Edwards doesn't believe he'll be able to get back to his max number of, of 85 scholarships until two seasons from now. Well, BYU's also in that same boat. I'm having talked to people familiar with the NCAA transfer portal and just doing my own math. BYU has had 14 players enter the NCAA transfer portal this season or this off season or since October when it was created. A few of those guys are considered to be walk-on athletes. They don't count against the scholarship number, but they do count against your overall number of athletes. So if we just deduce BYU's had 10 scholarship players, it looks like transfer and BYU if they were sitting at the 85 scholarship limit in the 2018 football season that means currently there are 10 scholarship athletes that left that was 10 spots that left the program BYU of course will bring in I'm sure around 25 if not the equal number of 25 initial counters those guys coming off missions for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints you have two graduate transfers in Tyson Williams and also Emmanuel Asupa and you also have your incoming high school uh, players as well Well, with losing 10 players, I'm doubting BYU is going to be able to re-up that number to the full 85 scholarship complement just due to attrition. They had a rather sizable senior class graduate. So this is an ongoing issue nationally for college football, but I, I, I also is an issue for BYU because it's going to have, it's a two edged sword here. There's two things that we need to talk about BYU. Yes. They're not going to have their full complement of players. Are they going to be hurting for bodies? Not necessarily with 10 players. Even if BYU is able to replace all 10 of those, I expect they replaced a number of them. They'll probably sit in my mind. This is just math. I've done off the top of my head and just looking at it. I'm expecting BYU this season sits somewhere between about 77, to 82 scholarship players. So you're going to be anywhere between eight and uh, three scholarships short. And you can deal with that. Other programs, you hear uh, Coach Edwards talk about the fact down at Arizona State he's going to have only in the 70s. Well, there are programs like Kansas who at one point only had, I believe, in the 40s of scholarship athletes due to some JUCO shenanigans that were taken by Charlie Weiss to try and rebuild the program. It really backfired. And now Les Miles has inherited a massive mess. David Beatty, the former coach at Kansas, did a good job at trying to get the numbers back up. But it's still going to take a few years for Kansas to even 
get into the 70s and the 80s of their scholarship numbers. So it's going to hurt all these programs nationwide. BYU, I don't think, is going to be hurt as much by it this season, but we'll see. I'll try and get some more information on how many scholarship athletes BYU anticipates in the 2019 season. If they're able to replenish all of those slots and fill up the full 85, that's a credit to Kalani Satake and his staff. But this has caused a domino effect in college football because multiple programs, I think, this year are going to be dealing with less than their full complement of scholarship players in the 2019 football season due to the NCAA transfer portal. Now, you're probably wondering, what about all these guys that are out there in the NCAA transfer portal? Well, that's going to be very interesting because you have... 800, let's say, let's just say it's 800 and round equal number that's easy to use. I would expect that you're not going to see more than half of those guys signed at the FBS or FCS level going into the 2019 season. As Max Olson notes in his article, uh, there's a quote from, a, I think it was a Power 5 recruiting coordinator, it's going to cause a renaissance in JUCO football. And it's true because there are going to be 400, looks like, players looking for a place to go and they are going to have to find somewhere because what you do when you put your name in the NCAA transfer portal is you tell a coach, I don't want to be here anymore. And most coaches have taken a hard line stance. And I know most of them here locally have taken the same stance that you put your name in the NCAA transfer portal. I have the right to withdraw your financial aid, your scholarship. Schools can pull that scholarship at the at, at the beginning of the next semester coming up. You're able to stay on scholarship until that semester ends. Then you're done. So there are multiple BYU athletes who have uh, are trying to find a lifeline, find their next scholarship, get school paid for, and it could end up that they have to go to the JUCO ranks before going to another school or playing out their eligibility. This is going to be an interesting uh kind of situation to see how it all balances out. I know there have been some uh, suggestions the NCAA allow teams to sign additional players to kind of balance out what's going on with the NCAA transfer portal, but it's caused all kinds of issues for athletes and also the schools themselves. And I'm interested to see how it affects BYU because we've seen BYU play on the graduate transfer market, picking up two running backs, but I would expect that with that 25 player limit that you can sign each year BYU is going to be hard done to be really become a transfer portal destination school because they have guys coming off missions uh, trying to tr- trying to track all the stuff when it comes to BYU football with their roster limitations etc with guys going on missions you're balancing rosters that are three years out it's going to make it tough for BYU with this 25 scholarship initial counter limit to really balance things out in my mind. And, I, and it's not its not just BYU. It's going to be a nationwide issue. But I think that you're going to see some of the names of BYU players who did transfer, guys who have decided they want to go play elsewhere. Guys like Tavita Moonga, Akile Davis, some of the names on BYU out of BYU's transfer portal it could be very interesting to see where they end up or if they are playing at the JUCO level at some point. Some of these guys are going to be are trying to be graduate transfers. Riley Burt has already been reported that he'll be enrolling at Utah State, so he found his next destination. But Akile Davis, trying to be a graduate transfer, is he going to have to go finish out his collegiate career at the FCS level? Very, very well could be that because a lot of the articles I've read, speaking of the two in particular from Max Olson and Dennis Dodd, say that a lot of programs nationwide are hard, hard up. Essentially, they've signed their 25 man limit and they can't take any more guys so 
it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. And I do think it's going to take some time and probably be two or three years before we really balance out this thing. I think some athletes are going to learn the hard way that the grass is not always greener. They got mad for a day and decided they wanted to jump ship and leave a program thinking, well, I'm good enough that another program will pick me up. Well, some of them may find that that isn't the case. Um, as Max Olson quotes in this, at North, at North, as North Carolina coach Mac Brown puts it, this is from Max Olson at The Athletic, as, Mac, as North Carolina coach Mac Brown put it, in what sounds more like a wish than a prediction, people are going to slow down when they find out. Nobody wanted me, unquote. Well, I think that's not necessarily going to slow down per se for Coach Brown, but his point is well taken because there are going to be lots of athletes I think this offseason are going to find out, well, crap, I'm not playing football this this season, or they're going to have to drop down a level or maybe even two levels. Who knows? I wish for the best for the guys who left BYU. They all leave for various reasons. I get that. But I do think it's going to take a couple of years for all things to shake out when it comes to the NCAA, the transfer portal, and in particular BYU trying to figure out, okay, can we handle bringing in guys off of missions, also high school enrollees, and can we also bolster ourselves by bringing in one or two or three graduate transfers. It may turn out that BYU has to go about uh, leaving two or three slots open each year for a graduate transfer. Who knows? I don't know what their recruiting philosophy will be, but it's a very interesting situation all the way around. And we'll, we'll keep tracking this for you. I'm interested to see how everything goes this summer as guys really finish up school, have gotten their degrees, if, speaking of graduate transfers, and see where guys land. We'll track where BYU players are going. Guys like Christian Falau and I already mentioned Riley Burt have found their destinations. Uh, Christian Falau headed to Utah. Also, uh, Riley Burt headed to Utah State. A guy like Ula Tolutau, I would expect, could end up here locally as well. But he's got to get his situation in order. Who knows where that ends up going. Suffice it to say, I know I've gone really long in this first segment, but it is a very interesting situation for both schools and the athletes themselves with the NCAA transfer portal. A 25-limit counter that the NCAA implemented, it's become an interesting situation for a lot of athletes because I think they're realizing, well, crap, I may have to finish out my career at the FCS level. If you're young enough, maybe go to the JUCO ranks and try and springboard from there, but Juco football could benefit from it. A a team like Snow College here locally, you could see some athletes, some high-level athletes from the FBS ranks, the FCS ranks, end up there for a season or two before they're able to get back into the big time. It'd be interesting. I'll be tracking it for you guys. I thought it was worth discussing a little bit and letting you guys know more about what's going on with this. But at the seven-month mark, roughly, we're just a couple days past that. It's been very interesting to see how the NCAA transfer portal has affected athletes and also affected programs, and it sounds like both have been impacted, and we'll see if it's able to kind of balance itself out in short order or if NCAA regulation or legislation is needed to balance it out. It will bear worth watching, and we'll keep you updated right here on Locked on Cougars, of course, with anything in particular when it comes to BYU. But I do like examining more of the broader perspective of college football as well, so you guys can be a little more well-rounded that way. All right, we'll take a time out here, come back. Very long first segment. Apologies for that. We'll come back on the other side. I need to talk some BYU baseball. And what is going on with them when they're a ranked team? Why do they struggle so much? Is this a microcosm of just this program in particular? Or is it something that's more, um, 
more widely spread in the BYU Athletic Department. We'll discuss that a little bit more next. But a real quick a reminder for you guys, when you do get in your car to drive around, whether that's your commute to work, driving your kids to whatever appointments they've got, you're doing your errands, your honey-do list, tell your smart device when you get in. Plug it into your, your smart console. All of them have USB adapters for the most part these days. And tell it, play podcast Locked On Cougars. That way you always stay up to date with this daily podcast all focused on BYU. So reminder once again, when you get in your car, plug in your phone and tell it, play podcast Locked On Cougars and be the smartest BYU fan in your life. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast. You are Locked On Cougars. We are your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. If you are interested in co-hosting the show this next week or the following week, let me know. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys and have you on as a special co-host of the podcast. We'll let you program the show. You can pick whatever topics you want to hit in about 30 minutes and we'll record. I've got the equipment. I'll come to you. I'm making it as easy as I possibly can. Let me know if you're interested. It'd be free. I'm not going to charge you anything. I'm just going to show up. We're going to sit down, put on some headsets and talk BYU sports. Does it sound like a good time? Let me know on social media at Jacob C. Hatch or at Locked on Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter there as well. And once again, the email address LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. All right, BYU baseball had a tough loss. Number 24-ranked Cougars lost 4-2 in their series opener against Santa Clara last night. Santa Clara scored all four of their runs on a grand slam in the first inning. BYU stranded runners every inning until bringing two across in the sixth inning. I think it was 11 total batters stranded by BYU. And this is something I've noticed with this BYU baseball program is that when they've gotten ranked, when they They've been the favorites. They've had the target on their back, so to say. They've struggled. And I feel like I don't know what it, to make of it because there are other programs in the BYU Athletic Department that have competed extremely well having that target on their back. And I'm speaking of mostly women's sports. Women's soccer has held up relatively well. Men's volleyball, when they've been the favorite outside of the NCAA tournament have done well. Women's soccer, women's volleyball making those runs to the NCAA championship in the Final Four this past season. There are programs that have done well when they're the favorite. Other ones, we're talking the bigger revenue sports, I feel like, have not done as well. I'm speaking of BYU basketball, going out with a whimper. Of course, that ushered in a coaching change. We'll see if under Mark Pope that changes. BYU football, when they've had the target on their back, have faltered. And BYU baseball is kind of the latest example of that. And I think Mike Littlewood comment last night in the BYU release said, quote, we set a bad tone on the mound and the meat of our lineup stranded too many guys early in the game. Now here comes the crux of it. Now we understand we can't just show up and win without total focus. I think it's right there. Focus. I'm not trying to say that BYU athletes aren't focused, but they have a lot of things on their plate. They have stringent academic standards to live up to. They have to abide by the honor code. A lot of them are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and in the church um, culture, for lack of a better term, being married young and early is has been encouraged. And I'm not here to say that don't get married. I, I, let me get that out of the way right now. I'm not going to sit here and say, athletes at BYU shouldn't get married. I got married while I was at BYU. I have two kids and a beautiful wife, and I wouldn't, cha- I wouldn't trade that for anything. Granted, I also wasn't an athlete, but I did work full-time for multiple years while I was going to school in Provo. But the focus... 
what can be done to help BYU athletes focus? I don't know. Um, I had a coach recently, uh, this is probably a couple months back, uh, tell me that the hard part about married athletes at BYU, and it's a pretty unique dynamic if you really think about it, BYU has a lot of guys who get married while they're in school in Provo. And I was talking to a coach, and they told me, well, how how – how is it that you can create a locker room culture when you have athletes who have their focus elsewhere on another human being who is quote unquote on their team? And that's a great question. I don't know how you go about it. I think you have to just balance it as best you can at BYU. But I think Mike Littlewood's comment says that the focus of his team is what's getting in the way of them really being able to kind of be that favorite, go out and win games, and be the big dog on big dog on campus, big man on campus. So to use to use that as expression. I don't know what the correct answer is for BYU, and I'd love to have your guys' insight on this. Locked on BYU at Gmail, Facebook, uh, locked on BYU at gmail.com is the email address, excuse me. Locked on Cougars for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also at Jacob C. Hatch. Let me know your thoughts on this because I do think the focus is lacking. When these programs, I'm speaking mainly of baseball, football, and basketball, I feel like when they have expectation heaped upon them, there's almost like this this fear that overtakes these athletes and they're not able to perform at their best. And Mike Littlewood says that now we understand that we can't just show up and win without total focus. Can you get total focus for BYU athletes? Uh, it might be a hard sell. It might be something you can't necessarily rely on as a coach at BYU. It'd be great if you could, no doubt about it. But going back to the other coach I talked with at BYU – they said it's just tough when guys are married because they're focused. They also have to focus on their spouse, their significant other. It can cause issues with that. So I'm not here to say that having guys married at BYU is a bad idea. Like I said, I got married while I was at the Wires, my senior senior year at BYU. I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Some guys thrive when they get married, no doubt about it. There are guys who academically have seen a major uptick. They perform better on the field because they're focused in that way. They don't have to worry about the whole dating situation. They have their significant other, their eternal companion, and they're able to kind of focus that way. I think other guys, it's a distraction for them because they're trying to balance both being a good teammate in the locker room to the guys on their team where they're trying to win games, but also they also have to balance their home life with this, with a with a woman or a man who want to be with them as much as humanly possible. It's an interesting situation. I'm hopeful that Mike Littlewood, maybe his team can find the blueprint to help uh, balance things out for the Cougars, especially in speaking of baseball, but maybe be a blueprint for the football and basketball programs as they move forward. Just a thought for you guys. Let me know your thoughts on it. I'm going to think about this some more because I think it's worth discussing because I've really noticed that with BYU baseball in particular, and I feel like it's a microcosm for at least the football and basketball programs where they struggle with focus. And maybe we can discuss that at some point. Let me know your thoughts on social media and also via email if you so choose to to weigh in. All right, we'll step aside here, come back, catch up on everything else going on in BYU sports. A tough loss for BYU women's softball. A huge number of athletes from track and field headed to the NCAA West preliminary meet. We'll talk about all that next right here on the Locked on Cougars podcast. All 
as we close out this week's final edition of the podcast, a Friday edition of Locked on Cougars. I want to thank you guys for your continued support of the podcast. Please continue to subscribe, rate, and review those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts in particular. They're worth their weight in figurative gold when it comes to the podcast sphere. So I really thank you guys for taking taking the time to do that. It takes but a couple of moments to get it done, but I want to encourage you guys to do that. And also share this podcast with your family and friends. The word of mouth is going to make this podcast spread more than anything else I think I can do on social media, but sharing it on social media would also be appreciated. And I love hearing from you guys. I don't feel like I get enough interaction from BYU fans at times, but I love when you guys reach out and let me know what you think of what's going on with the podcast, the topics we cover. Feel free to weigh in anytime you want. I'd love to hear from you and and discuss it with you. All right, running down things going on in BYU sports, BYU women's softball. uh, They had a tough loss to kick off their NCAA regionals, losing 3-1 to number 13 Oklahoma State. And I got to give credit to BYU. I watched most of this game with my wife last night, of course, a former BYU softball player. She has a keen interest on how this program does. And it looked like BYU might get blown out early. They gave up three runs early on, but Arissa Paulson, to her credit, really focused in and BYU was able to battle back a bit, not able to get any new runs across, which would have really helped, but Hopefully, uh, as they fall into the losers bracket, they can win today against Arkansas. That's a three thirty, uh, sorry, one thirty uh, Mountain Time first pitch in softball. Be broadcast on ESPN three. There's a link on the BYU Cougars website if you want to catch that there. If they do win that game, they would face off. I believe, yeah, the the loser of Oklahoma State and Tulsa in the winners bracket, they would face off against them. Hard road for BYU now to make the Super Regionals, it appears, but there is still a road for them, and they got to take care of business against the Arkansas Razorbacks as they kick things off. 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time, whenever you hear this. All right, um, other news. BYU baseball in action tonight once again at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. It'll be on the W.TV, also broadcast on BYU Radio. They'll finish things up with their final game tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock Mountain Time, also on the W.TV and BYU Radio. Uh, Women's softball, I believe the second second game of their series would be, I believe, 30 minutes after this first game against Arkansas. And, of course, there'd be a final game tomorrow if BYU were to advance to the final day of regionals there in Stillwater. We'll recap that all for you on Monday. And then also, I wanted to note this before we go, is a big congratulations to the men's and women's track and field teams. 58 athletes from the BYU men's and women's track and field teams have made the NCAA Division I West Preliminaries meet that will be taking place next year. BYU and Arkansas both tied for the most combined entries in the NCAA West prelims with the 58. The men tied with UCLA for the most men's entries with 34 athletes, while the women have the sixth most en- sixth sixth most entries with 24 excuse me there of course BYU men's team ranked number four in the country they have the top ranked 3,000 meter staple chase and 10,000 meter squads and also the Cougars have combined 15 regional entries between those two events Uh, the 10,000 meters has a team high nine qualifiers along with the top four athletes in the NCAA this season so I'm expecting BYU should score well there the number 11 women's team has finished the season with the number one 800 meter 1500 meter and 3,000 meter steeplechase squads. This could be a big year for men's and women's track and field for BYU. So best of luck to all the athletes. Um, some headliners for you real quick include Connor McMillian, who is the number one runner on the men's side of things in the 10,000 meters. He's joined by Rory Linkletter, Connor Mance, and Matt Owens. Oh, sorry, uh, 
Rory Linkletter and Connor Mance, who are two and three in the 10,000 meters. Connor Mance is number three in the 5,000 meters. Matt Owens is the number three steeplechase runner. Clayton Young is the number t- four 10,000 meter athlete and the number five 5,000 meter athlete at, at number five. Clayton Shumway, number five steeplechase. Jacob Heslington, number eight in the 10,000 meters. And Danny Carney, number nine in the 10,000 meters. Those are all on the men's side of things. Top-seeded athletes on the women's side of things are Andrea Stapleton-Johnson, who is the number one athlete in the high jump. Lauren Ellsworth-Barnes, number two in the 800 meters. Brenna Porter, number four, 400-meter hurdles. Erica Burke-Jarvis, number five in the steeplechase. Whitney Orton, number five in the 1500 meters. And Anna Camp-Bennett, who is number six in the 800 meters. So it should be a fun week next week. I think there will be a lot of athletes going to the NCAA championships. And hopefully BYU can get a lot of people there to help them show well at the national meet. All right, there you go. That is today's podcast. We'll recap everything for you on Monday. Going to have some interviews over the next couple of weeks with local media celebrities, but I want to intersperse that with you guys, the listeners. Let me know if you're interested in hosting the show. I won't charge anything. I will come to you. We'll find a unique, a good place to sit down, record a podcast, and talk about whatever you want to talk about when it comes to BYU sports. Let me know if you're interested. We'd love to hear from you guys. Have a great weekend whenever you hear this. Hopefully you guys have a lot of fun planned. Hopefully the weather here along the Wasatch Front stays dry probably won't but hopefully we can always hope right thanks again for joining me i'm jay catch and this is the locked on cougars podcast for may 17th 2019